This is all Mountain Media. Picture yourself on a cloudy day driving on a lone logging road in the rainy Pacific Northwest. You're near the town of Elma, Washington, a small community known for quaint shops and rural living. It's a dark day in October of 2020, and you are ready to have some solitude amongst the dark trees during this overcast morning. 2020 has been a tough year, what with a global pandemic, adjusting to work at home, angry voters every way you look, and just trying to keep a positive outlook on life. To be alone on the trails with your own thoughts is exactly what you need. You make your way up to a small camping area near a few clear cuttings, pull over, throw on your day pack with essentials, grab your water shoes for a bit of winter swimming, and hit the trail. Porter Creek Falls is a short hike, and you are anxious to dip into the near freezing water for some rejuvenation of body and spirit. While the skies are overcast, the trail is open and clear. Until you come to a section where trees are thick with dead branches on top of each other and for some reason, you are surrounded in darkness almost as black as night. Why is it so dark? This isn't normal, you think to yourself. You push on, the aura of haunting pressing down on you like a heavy weight from above. You feel as if something is up the hill from where you stand. Mountain lions and even the occasional black bear have been seen in the area, and your bear spray is on your side at the ready. The air is silent. Disturbingly silent. You stop to listen to the surrounding trees and wildlife. There is not one sound to be heard. Your head starts spinning, a dizzy feeling coming over you that is sudden and not normal for you when out in the wilderness. Tunnel vision starts to take over, and you can't help from feeling that something is nearby. You can feel it. You know it. Something is watching and waiting. You snap out of your small trance, hike up your shoulder straps, and continue on your journey. After a mile and a half, you arrive at Porter Creek. The river comes together in a fork, and you are standing where the two arms of the river come together. The sound of rapids fills your ears. Fallen trees with dark moss hanging off of them surround you, and the area feels peaceful and nerve-wracking at the same time. Slowly, you undress, slip on your water shoes, and slide into a calm part of the river. You're glad to be alone. Usually, you'd put on a swimsuit, but today, it felt right to submerge the way you came into this world save for your water shoes. The freezing water sends chills up your spine and you feel calmness take over you as your only thought is being completely aware of how your body is reacting to the cold water. You take a long deep breath as you've trained for cold water submersion and look about you. The haunting feeling is gone. You are one with the trees. They each have a story to tell. You close your eyes and listen to the rushing water. This is true connection with the earth. After two minutes, you know it's time to get out as hypothermia is a threat that can kill without the victim even knowing that it's happening. You emerge from the raging water, stand on the shore to air dry, and slowly get dressed. Time to head back to the trailhead. 
As you make your way back, the rain begins to dump in a unique way Pacific North rain does, gently but with huge drops of water. You hike a mile and come back to the dark stretch of trees that earlier caused you to freeze in your tracks. Something forces you to stop. You look down and that's when you see it. A footprint. The print is at least 12 inches long and all the toes have made impressions along with a strong arch. You're alone out here and the print is fresh, likely minutes old. Your first thought immediately brings you to the stories of a being that lives in these woods. Is this the print of a Bigfoot? It seems too small and that's when you recall stories you've heard from a friend about the footprints of juveniles. They are often mistaken for human prints. You are positive no one else is out here. You look around for additional prints, but can see none. You've heard that solo prints often exist as a sort of gift to the finder of the print. Is that what this is? Were you being followed before? Was this a gift from whatever was observing you? Normally the idea of being watched would scare you, but for some reason, you feel at peace. A lone footprint in the dark trees in midday with no sound except your breathing. Surely this should worry you. But it doesn't. Thank you, you say to the trees in a small voice. Thank you for your gift. Suddenly, the darkness lifts, and you head back to your truck, smiling to yourself. There's something special about this area. There's something special about Elma. Pacific Northwest Sasquatch Shadows presents Something Cryptid This Way Comes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever felt like you're in a tunnel? The sides are closing in on you. You're unable to escape the overwhelming feelings of unhappiness, anger, worry, or fear. I have, many times. Over the years, I've tried to solve my own problems, lean on myself, and suppress the depression of my past and the anxiety of my future. But then I decided to do something about it. And while I'm still a work in progress, I know that without getting help, those invisible monsters would reach for any opportunity they can to consume me. They still do. But with online therapy, I'm conquering those monsters. And it feels good. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work. Maybe you're not dealing well with stress. 
Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And here's a special offer for Something Cryptid This Way Comes listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash pnw. That's betterhelp.com slash pnw. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. It's late spring, 1982. Alma High School had just finished the graduation ceremony, and the new graduates wanted to have one last fond farewell with each other as a whole class. A small high school, the class of 82 decided it would be fun to camp out near the woods on the edge of town. Alma is a small community just west of Olympia, the capital of Washington State, and only half an hour from the sandy beaches and overcast weather of the Washington coast along the Pacific Ocean. Year-round surfers and beachgoers will often stop off in Elma for a quick coffee, a bathroom break, or a chance to fill the tank before heading for sandy shores. Incorporated in 1888 as a small logging community, Elma was, and still is, the gateway to Grays Harbor and the larger city of Aberdeen, home to famous and former lead man of Nirvana, Kurt Cobain. The city lies within the Chehalis River Valley in Grays Harbor County, while many find this town to be the perfect place to settle down, according to word of mouth, many youth seek to leave the town to experience big city life. But residents seem to always find their way back, loving the small town vibe and the close-knit community of neighbors, friends, and family. Kirk was determined to get out of Elma. He had grown up near the town, was an adamant hunter and explorer, and felt at home in the woods but he was ready to see the world on a more permanent level. He and his friend Aaron were ready to say goodbye to the rest of their classmates, and this overnight camping excursion was just the thing to have a send-off into the unknown, wishing his classmates a fond adieu. But he wanted to make an impact that would leave a mark in his classmates' minds. He and Aaron had frequented the area numerous times, and had even brought a predator call with them that sounded like a screaming rabbit. This overnighter was the perfect opportunity for Kirk and Aaron to say goodbye and scare the pants off their peers. As the night set in, the group of students sat around a raging campfire, blaring music of the 80s and recalling fond memories of their times together over the last 12 years or so in school. They were very close, and the entire class knew everything about everybody. What they didn't know, however, was that Kirk and Aaron had a plan, a plan to send shivers up their spines. The plan was simple. 
Aaron would sit at the campfire while Kirk would sneak off into the darkness to the tree line 100 yards away. Aaron would tell stories of Sasquatch in the area, which was common knowledge and considered a fact rather than lore, and add enough embellishments to frighten his classmates. Kirk would rustle the bushes, break sticks, and blow his predator whistle as loud as he could. This would send his classmates running for their cars, and he was excited to see the looks of fear on their faces. As the deep purple of the sky turned to black and the stars scattered across the heavens, Kirk crept away inconspicuously while Aaron began his story. He stepped over large bushes that had not been grazed by the local cattle, climbed over the small wooden fence that separated the edge of the meadow from the trees, and strained his eyes to see deep into the shadows. For some reason, he felt at total peace with no worries or trepidation, probably because he was the one who would be doing the scaring tonight. Or was it something else? He took a deep breath and blew the whistle as loud as he could. The ear-splitting sound bounced off the trees near him, and as he looked at the raging bonfire, he could make out shadows of his classmates. They weren't moving. In fact, they weren't reacting at all to the noise. Maybe they can't hear me. Come on, Aaron, scare them. After a few minutes of staring back at the fire, Kirk heard a snapping branch directly behind him, as if it was merely feet away. He turned on his flashlight, aimed it at the trees, and saw something that, to this day, no one believes when he relates his story. A huge, toothy grin glowed in the night. Kirk squinted, and as he followed the outline of the grin, he expected to see a tall person. But it wasn't a person. At least, it wasn't like a person that he had ever seen. No, this was something different. Above the teeth, he could make out the face of a gorilla. But it was different. Less flat, more human-like, and cheekbones that stretched up to the corners of the eyes. This creature seemed amused by Kirk. Its eyes narrowed as they traveled out from the center of its face. Kirk immediately assumed it was a male by the look on its, or his, face. The Sasquatch had eyes of crystal blue, but the pupils seemed dilated from the light Kirk was shining directly in its face. His nose was that of a human's, but a bit flatter than most, and his ears were hidden by the hair that surrounded his face. Kirk moved the flashlight down the body of the Sasquatch and noticed a broad chest with large pectoral muscles, the muscles of a bodybuilder. Below his pecs, the bushes rose to meet him at his navel. Covered with dark brown hair, Kirk could still make out the abdominal muscles. Huge gangly arms stretched out from each side of the Sasquatch, pushing branches to either side. Kirk and his new companion stood in silence, staring at each other. Kirk was petrified, but there was something about the face that started to slow his heart rate. The Sasquatch kept smiling. It did not appear threatening, but almost looked playful. The moon was low on the horizon, and shadows started to fade. The only illumination on the Sasquatch was from Kirk's flashlight, which Kirk immediately snapped out of the staring contest and turned off. He figured he would make the Sasquatch angry if he kept shining it in his face. 
Kurt quickly turned to look back at the campfire in the distance, then turned once again to see where his newly acquired friend was standing. The Sasquatch was gone. Did I just imagine that? Was it just a shadow? No, I saw it smile at me. Kirk half walked, half ran back to the campfire. He wasn't sure if he should tell anyone. His classmates were sitting around the fire, telling jokes, throwing logs onto the fire, and blasting the latest John Cougar Mellencamp song. He knew that if he told anyone, they wouldn't believe him. He wanted to tell Aaron, but something kept him from doing it. He glanced back at the tree line every few minutes, wondering where the Sasquatch had gone, wondering if it was still watching him. He knew that he should feel scared, that he should feel like his life was in danger, but he didn't. Something was causing his heart to beat in a calm and steady pattern. He wasn't scared at all. He had made a new friend, a hairy man, a Bigfoot. As he turned his gaze away from the tree line for the last time, he spoke to his new friend in his mind. I'll see you again. This was a story he would keep to himself, a story he would hold close to his heart and would not tell others for decades. He had experienced something beautiful, something peaceful, something extraordinary. Kirk was one of the lucky ones. This episode is sponsored by Pride Counseling. We live in a world of mystery, of unanswered questions, of constant bombardment from endless opinions and mostly from questions within ourselves. I've taken advantage of online therapy and have seen the benefits as a professional, a father, a spouse, and a friend. And without the help from online counseling, I would most likely still be stuck in the ruts of uncertainty and bleakness. We all struggle with our own true nature at one point or another, or we know someone who has. Therapy can be the difference between happiness and overwhelming darkness. Pride Counseling is affordable, private online counseling for the LGBTQIA community. You can get access to licensed, trained, fully accredited counselors and therapists that are LGBTQIA friendly. These counselors and therapists have at least three years of experience, at least 2,000 hours of hands-on experience, and are qualified and certified by their state's professional board. All you need to do is go to pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. Fill out a questionnaire, get matched with the counselor who is perfect for you, and you can start counseling today. It's more affordable than in-person counseling. And if you can't afford counseling, there is financial aid available that you can apply for. You get unlimited 24-7 messaging with your counselor, meaning you're connected with a counselor the entire time via your phone, or computer, and you can schedule live video, phone, or text sessions with your counselor as well. With Pride Counseling, you're not wasting time traveling, and if you don't vibe with the therapist you're matched with, you can switch. Best of all, you connect from the comfort of your home. Half the battle of getting into counseling is getting to the counselor, and Pride Counseling eliminates that hassle. Plus, a lot of people in the LGBTQIA community are not comfortable talking to a therapist in person, out of fear of discrimination, or perhaps they just don't have access to a therapist that specializes in what they're struggling with. With Pride Counseling, you can connect with an LGBTQIA counselor from anywhere. And as a special offer to Something Cryptid This Way comes, listeners, 
you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. That's P-N-W-P-O-D. Again, that link is pridecounseling.com slash pnwpod. Thank you to Pride Counseling for sponsoring this podcast. There's nothing quite as relaxing as berry picking in the hot summers of the Pacific Northwest. And even better, the incredible blackberry pies and milkshakes that are everywhere you look, from small cafes to snack shacks, summer is blackberry season in Washington State. And with more berries comes more wildlife. When hiking the local hills, you might find yourself in a blackberry patch, entangled in a huckleberry bush, smeared with red juices from wild raspberries and the golden salmon berries, while somewhat bland in taste, make even the darkest forest come alive with miniature dots of sunshine covering the trail. If you're not careful, you might come across a black bear and her cubs snacking on the fruit, but for the most part, wildlife tends to stay away from the loud sounds of people talking and laughing as they gather berries in the sun. I'd like to tell you that berry picking is peaceful, that it comes with no incidents of interference from the local wildlife, that once you're out there, it's just you and the berries. I'd like to tell you that. But that's not the case for Judy and her girls on a hot July evening in 1995. After a long day of catching up on the daily chores in her small home just outside of the Elma city limits, Judy was hankering for some peace out in the wilderness. She decided to bring along her three daughters for a sunset berry picking excursion. They gathered their baskets, loaded up in their Oldsmobile station wagon, and set out from Elma on Keys Road. As they made their way to one of their favorite berry gathering spots near the main roadway, they noticed that they were the only ones picking that evening, which was unusual as the citizens of Elma were often seen in groups every day of the week in that area. Nevertheless, they continued on their way, filling their baskets with the succulent berries, the youngest daughter snacking on more than she was gathering. After a few hours, something came over Judy. A feeling of panic, as if someone was watching her from behind. She was sure that there were no other gatherers around, so she shoved the feeling aside and continued to pick. No one is here, just relax. Girls, how's it going? How are your baskets? We need enough to make at least five pies, and your Auntie Jenny wants to make some fresh blackberry ice cream and some cobbler. Ugh, we're fine, Mom. One of Judy's daughters answered back. Okay, well, we only have a few minutes left. I want to see those baskets full to the brim. They continued picking, making their way closer to the river that ran parallel to the road. The shadows were growing longer, and the sun was sinking behind them over the hills, thick with dark forests in the west. Suddenly, 
One of Judy's daughters called out to her from behind a few bushes. Mom? Mom? This is a scary place. I think someone's watching us. Judy turned to see one of her daughters staring off into the trees, the look of horror on her face. She had dropped her basket and the blackberries covered the ground around her feet. Okay, time to go. Judy and the girls made their way back to the car as quickly as possible. She tried to maintain a look of calmness on her face, but her heart was racing. They loaded up in the car and sped off toward home. Upon their arrival back home, Judy immediately picked up the phone and called her sister, who lived in the nearby town of Hoquiam, further west in Grays Harbor County. Jen, something happened in the woods tonight. I felt like we were being watched, but it didn't feel like a person was watching. Does that make sense? I know it sounds crazy, but it was like... It was like a monster was stalking us. I, I think I'm going crazy. But the girls, the girls said it was a scary place. They've never said that about the Riverberry Patches before. Judy's voice was shaking. Jen listened with intent and then replied in a calm voice. Judy, don't worry. Tomorrow we'll go and check the place out. I'm sure it's fine. Don't worry. Everything is fine. Give the girls a hug from their auntie Jen. The next evening, Judy and Jen decided to head out just as the sun dipped below the horizon. Darkness falls fast on the Washington coast, like a looming nightmare that suddenly wakes you as you fall to your death. Judy was not excited about heading out in the dark, but Jen, with a bit of a dark side and thrill-seeking ambitions, was ready to investigate. Judy's husband Ray was ready too. He'd grown up in this area and had heard the stories and was ready to see a Sasquatch of his own if that's in fact what was out there. But he wasn't ready for what was about to happen. The trio arrived at the same parking space Judy had been at the day before. As they pulled to a stop, Jen could tell that Judy wasn't having it. I... I can't do this. I can't go out there, Jen. Judy, I'm right here with you. We can always leave, but let's go have a look. I promise not to leave you out here. Slowly, Judy nodded. They exited the car and made their way down to the river where the previous day's haunting had occurred. Making their way into the black of night and breathing the thick air amongst the trees, Jen started to feel what Judy had described the previous evening on the phone. It felt like all joy was leaving her, as if a vacuum was sucking out all the peace that filled her heart. Her pulse raced, and she began to sweat even in the cool night temperatures. She turned to glance at her brother-in-law and sister, who had looks on their faces that matched exactly what Jen was feeling. They marched on. The distance from the road to the river was approximately 300 yards. The downhill slope made the hike difficult, and even with flashlights, the three tripped and slid down the slope, grabbing at the surrounding foliage when they could. Ouch, damn blackberry bushes, man that hurts. Jen looked back at Ray, who was sucking on his finger that had been pierced by a blackberry thorn. The berries were amazing, the thorns, on the other hand, were ferocious. It's funny how the sweetest things in life often hurt, thought Jen to herself. As they arrived at the river, they were enveloped in pure darkness and isolation. Their vulnerability weighed down on them like someone was pressing down on their shoulders. They could feel their solitude. But there was no sense of ultimate doom. They were together, in a group, and knew they would come out of this alive. A deafening bang sounded from only a few feet away. They thought someone might be shooting a shotgun at them, and they all fell to their knees, crouching behind a few large rocks next to them. 
They decided to move out back to their car, keeping low to the ground. Climbing uphill was difficult with their shoulders slumped forward and their nerves on edge. Behind them, a splashing sound, as if someone was walking through water, filled the air. Sounds like a deer, or maybe a cow. A cow, Judy? What would a cow be doing out here? I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Keep moving, said Ray with a determined voice. He was concerned that a bear might be stalking them, or even worse, a mountain lion. Jen's interest got the best of her. I gotta see this. She made her way back to the riverbank with her camera, and just as she was about to look over the edge of the rock she was hiding behind, the thrashing sound stopped. After a few seconds of silence, she heard another huge splash, like a boulder hitting the water, and then another splash, and then another. Jen stayed hidden behind the rock. Ray and Judy had stayed behind. She felt more alone than she ever had in her entire life. Suddenly, she felt something grab her shoulder. She jumped and saw the outline of Ray and Judy next to her. Jen, there's something out there. Oh my god, there's something throwing rocks. Ray peeked over the rock, stood straight up, and started to sprint back the way they had come. He was one of the bravest men Jen knew. This was not normal behavior for him. He'd jumped in front of an oncoming train to save her and her sister. What could have made him run? Jen thought to herself. Images of beasts in the woods filled her mind. The splashes seemed to be getting closer. She could hear loud breathing, almost like a human, but deeper. She knew they had to get out of there. The sisters stood up, turned away from the river, and bolted up the trail. Jen was in the lead and heard a small yell and a crashing sound. Judy had fallen. She was sliding down the slope toward the river. Judy, hold on, I'm coming! Hurry! Judy's voice was full of terror. Jen could barely make out her sister's figure when she suddenly froze in her tracks and stared down the slope. The splashing sounds had stopped. And then a sound that would haunt her dreams filled the night sky. Jen! Jen! It's coming! Oh my god, it's coming! Next time on Something Cryptid This Way Comes. Holy shit, it's Bigfoot! Where? There, on the riverbank. See it right, right there in the shadows. Judy, Jen, and Ray are not out of the woods, literally. And the unknown entity is on their trail. Will they survive? Will they have evidence of the creature in the woods? Stay tuned for The Alma Encounters Part 2 coming later in August, and be prepared to hear a third story from the area. This story will have you thinking twice before traveling on a lone logging road in the dark forests of the Pacific Northwest. Another day, another day.
Something Cryptid This Way Comes is part of the Old Mountain Media family of podcasts and is written, produced, and sound engineered by me, Dr. Russ, of Pacific Northwest Sasquatch Shadows. Dialogue used in these stories is created from the events as recalled by eyewitnesses in the Elma, Washington area, and is not necessarily accurate, but is based on extensive research. To learn more about Elma and its rich history, consider Elizabeth Brown's book, A History of Elma, available anywhere fine books are sold. We can't thank you enough for the explosion of listenership, and I promise to keep these stories coming. If you have a potential story to share, one you'd like to hear set to a storytelling format, or would even like to discuss sponsorship, uh, hint hint, send an email to pnwsasquatchshadows at yahoo.com, or russ, that's r-u-s-s, at ommstories.com. We've got some great swag and gear that you can find in the link on our Instagram. Support the show. Go to PNW Sasquatch Shadows on Instagram for the link in the bio, or head on over to redbubble.com and type in PNW Sasquatch Shadows in the search bar. Make sure you go back and listen to earlier episodes. You'll learn about Fred Beck and his encounters at Ape Canyon, Albert Osman, who claims to have been abducted by a family of Sasquatch, and a short time warp back to 1968, where a camp full of youth saw creatures running all around them in the moonlight. And don't forget to listen to Season 1, short episodes that are eyewitness accounts set to immersive sound and music. For Old Mountain Media and Pacific Northwest Sasquatch Shadows, this has been Something Cryptid This Way Comes. If you like the show, please leave a 5-star rating and a review, and be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, and all over your social media. Something Cryptid This Way Comes can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and many other podcast carriers, including iHeartRadio. Special thanks to supporters and friends of the show, Mark and Catherine, for our intro and outro voiceovers. See you in two weeks for the Elma Encounters Part 2. Until then, go pick those berries, but you might want to leave some on the trail for whomever, or whatever, is watching you. Maybe they just want to make a pie. Maybe they need a side dish. This Way Comes is a production of Old Mountain Media. Visit us on Instagram at PNW Sasquatch Shadows and Facebook at Old Mountain Media. Something cryptid this way comes. <laughs>